We continue our studies in the book of John as we've started a new series today, or last week in this Gospel of John, chapter 1. It's our text today as we consider the things that John the Apostle wrote as he told us about the life of Jesus. I had a rather strange experience quite a few years ago. One time when I was shopping for Christmas in Batavia, I was in the section where they were selling Christmas lights. I was loading up my cart with lights. This young lady stopped and said, you're buying a lot of lights. And I said, yes, I'm going to decorate a whole town, (laughs) which was West Jackson Corners. A young lady stared at me very intently, and she said, you bear a striking resemblance to my brother. I said, well, I'm flattered. They say everyone's got a double somewhere. I guess your brother must be my double. And she said, he died recently, but you certainly do resemble him. And maybe with a little tear in her eye. So I filled my shopping cart, I went to checkout, and standing at the end of the checkout, there was an old lady there. After I checked out, uh, she walked up to me, she said, you are my son. And I said, well, I think I met your daughter in the store, (laughs) and I guess I do resemble your son quite a lot. And she said to me, no, you're my son. You just don't know it. My son was flying an airplane alone over Lake Ontario. And his airplane went down. And we lost him. So I went to a psychic. And the psychic told me that my son was alive, but he doesn't know who he is. You are my son. I felt really sorry for the lady. She had been deceived by a psychic who lied to her. And now she thought that I was that psychic's promise come true. I said, I'm sorry, but I'm not your son. I just resemble him. And then she said to me, can I feel behind your ear? And I said, yeah, sure you can. She came up and she ran her hand around my ear and down my neck. And I thought that would finish it, whatever it was. She said, I don't know where your scar went, but I know you're my son. And then the daughter came along and said, "Uh, no, mom, that's not my brother. That's not who he is. She wouldn't be dissuaded. So I decided to invite them to old-fashioned Christmas, which was just a few days away. I invited them both, and they both came, mother and daughter. And when they first arrived, I was in this room here dancing the Virginia Reel with the kids in the back room here. And after we finished, I went over to them. And the old lady said, I saw you dancing. I know now uh, you're not my son. (laughs) 
And I'm sorry, she said. I said, don't be, don't be. I'm happy to be your son. I'd be happy to be your son. The human ability to recognize is a very unique God-given ability. Our mind makes a record of a face and it stores it in our memory banks. And we may have hundreds of faces stored in those memory banks. We are able to recollect features almost immediately and recognize each other. And that process of recognition can have other things that hinder it. That poor lady was lied to by a psychic that became the basis of her ability of recognition. The lie that she was told. Only when she saw me dancing with the kids did she exchange that lie for truth. So recognition is also based on other factors, other things that we believe. Length of time also helps recognition. Now the person in our church that I have known for the longest amount of time is Ange Pilo. I've known him for over 55 years. He was my teacher in the fourth grade. I know his voice. I know his way of speaking. I know the things he says. <laughs> the smart aleck comments. And if someone came up to me and said, someone said this to me, I'd say, oh, that's just Dan's people. Because I know exactly what he would say. He would say something like that. Time, a long period of time, helps our recognition of people. Places also help us to recognize people. I recognize a cashier at Tops. Her name is Connie. I always go through her line if I see her there. Now if I see her outside of Tops, I get kind of confused. She's not in the right place. She's supposed to be at Tops. Then I'll recognize her. And one of the things I've noticed when I go to the county fair, I have a real problem with recognition. All sorts of people say, hi, hi, how are you? Good to see you to me. And I always smile and nod and wave. And I say to myself, they look familiar. But I just can't quite place them. Because they're out of, at the fair, they're out of place. So there are other factors that are used in the human process of recognizing other people. Time. Place, opinion, bad information, all such things have an effect on whether we recognize people or not. Our text today is about the human ability to recognize another person. Now last week we read John's explanation of where the story of Jesus begins. And he told us that before the manger birth, before the prophets spoke, even before creation itself, Jesus was there as a part of God that expresses the mind of God. 
And John said Jesus came to illuminate us and tell us what God was thinking. And that the answer to all of life's basic questions came from Jesus. He said in him was life and the life was the light of men. But tragically... Some people didn't comprehend what Jesus came to explain. Or as John said it, the light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So now John will explain some of the problems that Jesus ran into as he came to a world that didn't understand him. So I'm in John chapter 1. I'm reading at verse number 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, in our minds, we're going to take what we just read and put a parenthesis around these verses and skip over them. Then for now, we skip over them so we can go back to them later. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it later. Let's go on to verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Jesus came down from heaven, entered into our world. We were already told that Jesus created the world in verse 3. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So now the person who actually created the world came into the world. And people, that is his creation, didn't recognize it. They didn't know who he was. Now my first response to that when I read it is, how could people not recognize their own creator? Didn't they feel a connection? Couldn't they sense it by watching him? Now we're going to stop for a minute. Because I want to say something that's very important. Last week... We said Jesus came to this world to illuminate us and to open our eyes and to help us understand. If that is true, it is reasonable conclusion to think that God will allow us to ask questions. It is reasonable to expect that as we begin to understand, we are bound to have more questions. Now, some people say, don't question God. No, you need to ask questions. How are you ever going to learn if you don't ask questions? Now, it's true. Some people ask the wrong type of questions. And sometimes there's a bad attitude behind those questions. Back in the end of the 60s and early 70s, somebody wrote what was called a rock opera called Jesus Christ Superstar. You may remember it. It was full of questions, bad questions. 
like this one. Tell me what you think about your friends at the top. Or this one. Why did you choose such a backward time in such a backward place? Or this one, Jesus Christ Superstar. Who are you? What have you sacrificed? And then the famous line, don't you get me wrong, I only want to know. Those aren't real questions. Those are opinions based on a bad attitude but for what Jesus did on earth and why he did it that way. Listen, my friends, you can ask God questions, but here's how you get an answer from God. You say to God, we believe in you with all our hearts. We trust in you as our Savior, but we just don't know the answer to some questions. So we ask because we want to believe. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in faith believing, you shall receive. We don't say, God, I don't believe in you. Convince me I'm wrong. That's not the right way. No, we rather say, God, I believe. Help me to understand the things that I already believe are true. So in that spirit this morning, I want to ask God a question right now today. My friends, come with me, if you will, to that manger bed where Jesus was born. And look at that baby. He looks just like any other baby. He's tiny and small, like any other baby. He's weak and helpless. Just like any other baby. He's totally dependent on his mother. Just like any other baby. There's only one thing I notice that's different from other babies. He's poverty stricken. More so than most other babies. Now when I look at that baby. God. How am I supposed to know that that baby is the Son of God? He looks just like every other baby. Some artists have portrayed baby Jesus with a halo around his head to try and make him look different. He didn't have a halo. He was just a plain, ordinary-looking baby lying in a manger full of straw. How, God, are we supposed to recognize him? That is a reasonable question. But God is a reasonable God. He knew that baby Jesus would be unrecognizable. 
And so he helped us out. Angels came down to earth and told the shepherds, good news, a Savior is born in Bethlehem. Here's a sign so you will recognize who he is. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, the only baby in all of Bethlehem that was in that condition. Just looking at him, you wouldn't recognize him. But now, armed with new information, we do recognize him. God sent angels with information so we could recognize who Jesus was. And one of the most fascinating parts of that story, a little time later, Magi came, or as we like to call them, wise men. They said, we come to see the newborn king of the Jews. Nobody knew what they were talking about. How did they know? They knew by reading the Bible. That's how they knew. They read the ancient scriptures and were to, able to identify the star up in the heavens as a sign of the newborn Jewish king. My friends, that is why the Bible exists. It was written to help us identify God, to help us recognize God. It is still today the book that helps us identify God. Use it and you'll get to know God. But the Jews were supposed to be experts in the Old Testament. They were reading it. But there's a problem, verse 11 he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to his own. His own, he was Jewish. And his own were the Jews. The Jews, it says, didn't receive him. Or, you might put in there, they didn't welcome him. But it's even stronger than that. They outright rejected him. John wrote that the world didn't recognize him. After all, he was hard to recognize. But the Jews rejected him outright. Why? The Jews looked at Jesus and they said, We know who God is. And that's not him. So, how do you know that's not him, if that's what you say? Well, first of all, he's from Nazareth. And when the Messiah comes, he's going to be one of us. He'll be from Judea. He'll be from Jerusalem. After all, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They also said, when Messiah comes, he will have political connections so that he can take over the government. This Jesus has no political connections. He can't be the one. They also said, when Messiah comes, he'll be well educated by our best rabbis. He'll be a product of our best schools. And this Jesus of Nazareth is not an educated man. We know who God is, and we know that's not him. 
And so they rejected Jesus because they had their own opinions about who the Messiah would be. But their opinions were wrong. Like the poor lady who was lied to by the psychic. They were lied to by their teachers. They had wrong ideas that kept them from recognizing Jesus. And today, my friends, it's this very same thing today. People have opinions about God, low opinions, unworthy opinions, wrong ideas about who God is, so they can't recognize God. I remember one time I was talking to a fella, and we were talking about forgiveness. And I said, you know, God will forgive us whenever we ask to be forgiven. He will always forgive us. He looked at me and said, no, that's not right. You don't have to ask God to forgive you. He forgives, and I don't have to ask for it. My friends, the whole Bible from chapter 1 of Genesis to the last chapter of Revelation says you need to ask God to forgive you. And it was John himself who wrote our text who said if we confess our sins, then he's faithful to forgive our sins. But this fellow had an opinion. I don't have to ask God to forgive me. You say, well, that's just an opinion. Do you realize it is a deadly opinion? Believe it and it will kill you. You, If you never ask God to forgive you and you die, you are lost forever. Now that's how deadly wrong opinions can be. The Jews crucified Jesus because they had wrong opinions. Well, listen to me. Don't let your opinions get into the way of facts that are available. God is not unreasonable. God has given us the facts, enough facts so that we can know the truth. Listen, my friends, Jesus lived in total obscurity for 30 years. He was hidden away in a carpenter's shop in Nazareth for 30 years, fixing furniture and building windows and doors, working as a carpenter. How would anybody know that he was Messiah. That's why we had verse 6, that little parenthesis. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but was sent 
to bear witness of the light. God sent John the Baptist to identify Jesus so we could recognize him. And once again, God, who is not unreasonable, sent someone with information so we could recognize the Son of God when he came into the world, even though he came out of total obscurity for 30 years in a carpenter's shop. He came to the world and God had somebody ready. God knew if he took a human form, it would be hard to recognize him. So he sent information, angels with information, wise men with information, and now John the Baptist with information. So Jesus could be recognized. God has provided factual information. Use it and recognize Jesus for who he is. Don't be a victim of your own opinions. Seize the facts. Let them lead you to the truth. So you say, Eric, why is this all so important? Well, here's the wonderful answer to that question, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. As we do recognize him, and as we do welcome him, And as we do receive him, and we do believe him, he will adopt us into his family, and we can become one of the sons of God. That's a big deal. You say, I thought we were all the sons of God. I thought we were all created by God and in his family. No, this is a special family. It's a new family. Not related by blood. Not Jewish blood, or Italian blood, or Norwegian blood. None of that matters. Human beings? No, this is not the family of man. Human will? That's what I want? No, it's God's will, he says. It's what God wants. God wants to bring you into a family so that we will bear a family resemblance to him. We can have a resemblance to God our Father. Bible says God is love. And we'll become part of a family that's a very loving family, tied together by God's love. He loved us enough to die for us, and the family of God will naturally love each other. Proof of our family membership? John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. The recognition of who God is. John's gospel will help us to see just exactly who Jesus was. And John himself writes at the very end of his gospel, as he's going to tell that story, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you might have life through his name. So you can become very familiar with God 
You can know what he says. You can know how he thinks. You can know why he came. And when you recognize who he is, you'll want to join his family. And he will give you life. Wonderful life. Life and light to all who believe. So may God bless you as we start through this process to get to know God better and to recognize Him for exactly who He is. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for opening our eyes. We ask that we would recognize You, see who You are, that it would capture our heart, that we would be part of that great family that loves God and of that group that He loves so much. And so bless us, Lord, as we continue in these thoughts that it would provide for us new ideas, new thoughts, that we would know God better. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. i like you to turn your hymn books, if you will. Page number 521, standing as we sing, 521, Children of the Heavenly Father. Standing as we sing, 521, Children of the Heavenly Father. Page 521. Lord, we come to you grateful that you have come to this earth and that you can be recognized and you sent us signs of who you were. Though you lived in obscurity, you were the creator of this universe. May we recognize you. May we seek you. May we ask for forgiveness for what we have done and know that we are sinners. May we confess our sins, for we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we just confess. We are thankful that we can be a child of God and live in your family, not just now here on earth, not through hard times only, but through all times into eternity if we would only believe. 
We are thankful that you have done this and that you have cared and that you set forth this whole plan and that we are a part of this plan here today on purpose. You have seen this from the beginning in this very day that we are here. Thank you for that. Watch over us, care for us, bring us back to this place. May our hearts burn for learning more about you. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.